What's up, ragazzi? Frank Ravello here, host of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. Richard Carmen along for the ride as always. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing this evening? I just figure, fuck it. Let's just get right into it, right? Let's go. <laughs> Instead of trying to come up with something quirky or or anything like that, let's just you know let's dive right into it. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was uh, very good, very low-key, uh, but it was good. It was quiet. I uh, ate a lot. Uh, I know I gained some weight, which is fine. Uh, just what you should do in this kind of holiday. So, uh, yeah. Overall, it was good. Weather was uh, weather held out. How about you? Um, same. Uh, travel up to the in-laws. Uh, you know, got through uh, got through it, and weather was really nice uh, for the travel day. And then uh, spent the weekend here and dealing with some rain and some snow. And uh, typical uh, Wisconsin weather as we're uh, as we're getting into it. So, um, of course, uh, in the in the snow, I'm outside putting up the outdoor decorations today for ah, uh, for my family for Christmas. So. Need new icicle lights. Some burned out, so that part didn't get done. But we have a uh, we have a Grinch inflatable. Uh, that's that's new. That's the newest addition to the uh, <laughs> nice. the Crivello family uh, uh, Christmas decorations. So, I in no way a representative of me. I, I you know, most of your brother, right? Most of your brother. <laughs> yeah, maybe my, bro- my my brother Robert for sure probably fits that mold. Uh, definitely, definitely. Hi, so, Robert. Uh, well, you know, prayers to him. He's a, well, no, well, he's up in uh, <laughs> Door County. Uh, got battered with snow, and they were supposed to drive home today, so they're staying up there another night because uh, they just can't get out. So, and we've got a lot of other friends that went up north for a lengthier weekend in in, in different parts, and there's like just heavy amounts of snow coming down. So, uh, no one no one left uh, where they were. They all uh, booked an extra night. So those things happen. So the uh, That'll make the hotel people happy. Mother Nature was on their side this time. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, also uh, on uh, at least the Italian team side were the uh, results here in uh, in the Champions League. Um, good week for uh, Serie A teams at this point. Um, yeah, Juventus go ahead and lock up Group D. Uh, Atalanta are still in this thing. They get the win over Dinamo Zagreb. Now Believe they have it or not. To, yeah. Yep, they have to travel. Uh, to Shakhtar, and they have to hope that Man City don't lose at home against Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, so, I'm sorry, Man City's away to Dinamo Zagreb. For, forgive me. Um, and then uh, you've got Napoli, who get the uh, point. Uh, now host Gank, which you think has to be a sure three points for them and might even win the group should Napoli uh, draw uh, or fail to win You know against uh, Salzburg. That's a tricky game for them to have to go out to Austria and play that. Uh, so, did I say I said Liverpool? Didn't I? No, you said Napoli. And Napoli's hosting Gank. <laughs> yeah, Napoli's hosting Gank, and then Liverpool's got to make the trip to Salzburg, and they've got to pretty much fail to win with a Napoli win. And Napoli will go through as group winners, which would be a nice uh, boost for Serie A. And then Inter uh, control their destiny uh, after getting the win at Slavia Prague and then Borussia Dortmund losing at Barcelona. If Inter can either beat Barcelona or match the result that Borussia Dortmund get at home against Slavia Prague, they will go through. So we still have a shot at four Serie A teams uh, in the round of 16 in the Champions League. I would say that there's about a 60% chance that happens. I'll just go over a coin flip. 
Um, that might be aggressive, but I feel pretty good about it. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I feel I feel about the same as you. I think um, you know it would be I think all four to to move on would be very doable. Uh, the tricky I think the trickiest one is obviously going to be Atalanta with you know results that go in their favor. Uh, but I think overall, I think it's um, you're for sure going to see three move on. But um, let's go for four. I make it four for four. It'll be nice to see and be big big boost for Syria. Great advert for the league if they can pull that off. Certainly. So um, that said, uh, taking a look at uh, the uh, Europa League, uh, I know the Roma beat Pisaxa here, so they are. Um, Roma's in a position to qualify if they win at home against Wolfsburg, regardless of what happens between Munchen, Gladbach, and Basaksa here. Uh, Lazio did win uh, over Cluj, now have to win at Ren, and uh, Celtic uh, have to beat Cluj uh, is the way I understand it. So, okay. um, so, so that's... Um, Feel good about Roma's chances. I, I don't necessarily like Lazio's chances in this instance, largely because Celtic are through um, and really don't have to put a good team out there in Romania against Cluj. Yeah, I know, and I it should be interesting to see. I mean, Roma had a great result, uh, obviously against a good club, uh, winning three uh, nothing. We'll really see whether either of these teams, either these Roma clubs, have any interest uh, in that in the final match day. Um, let's hope to see both both clubs, you know, win. Uh, as we hope for the teams in, in the Champions League get a win, and then let's see where the cards fall after that. But um, you know, it's they need to show up no matter what, uh, whether it's uh, you know Serie A or or a European game. So let's let's hope that they do show up, whether it's uh, their A lineup or not, uh, and get the job done at least. Yep, for sure. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, we could see five uh, Serie A teams in some shape, form, or fashion going through to the round of 16 with the possibility of a six. We're just hoping that it's going to be four uh, Serie A teams in the Champions League. Um, you could have as many as three to four ending up in the Europa League, depending on how things shakes out, shake out on match day six. Very, very important uh, slate of games uh, coming up. So, uh, Richard, let's jump into it and recap match week 14. And we're going to open with uh, probably the most entertaining game of the weekend, Juventus and Sassuolo. This was the early game on Sunday. Um, Juventus get a 2-2 draw against Sassuolo. Um, coming off clinching um, their group in the Champions League, as we mentioned, uh, they decide to turn to Gianluigi Buffon in goal, and uh, they go to Quadrado, Bonucci, Delict, and Alexandro, Bentoncourt, Pjanic, Emre Chen in the midfield, Benedeschi, Iguain, and Ronaldo in the attack, Dybala, Dybala getting, it off, getting the day off, or at least not getting the start. Um, and then uh, Sassuolo, uh, Stefano Turati, uh, starting in place of Andrea Consili, uh, Jeremy Toljan, uh, Filippo Romagna, Marlon, and Giorgios Kyriakopoulos were your back four for Sassuolo. Jeremy Boga, Francesco Magnanelli, Magnanelli, Manuel Locatelli, and Filip Djuricic was the midfield. Uh, Hamed Traore be- behind Francesco Caputo uh, in attack. So, Thoughts on the lineups uh, when things came out? Uh, obviously, maybe the most noteworthy going in, the return of Gigi Buffon. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, this is actually very interesting to me, both goalkeepers. Um, having to return a, G- a Gigi Buffon, uh, giving uh, Chesney the night off after uh, a great performance in the Champions League. Uh, so it's good to see Buffon back. But then also on the flip side, uh, Turati starting for uh, Sassuolo, a third-choice goalkeeper, 18-year-old making his debut. Uh, and the last time a uh, 18-year-old third-string goalkeeper made a debut was for Parma against Milan. I, guess, I think his name was Gianluigi uh, Buffon. So it's kind of funny how that uh, panned out. And uh, the kid uh, played very well as well as Buffon did in his debut. Um, didn't, get to, didn't get to shut out, but uh, played well nonetheless. Um, yeah, just it's good to see Buffon out there. You know, the, the old man, the vet, he can still do it uh, despite the age. His reflexes may be a little bit slower, maybe getting up from the ground is a little bit slower, but I mean, he still can make the saves when it, when he's called upon. So um, it's always good to see him back in the lineup. Yeah, there you go. 18 years old. Go ahead, young man. Go and uh, start at Juventus for your uh, yeah. That, that, no pressure. <laughs> just no pressure. It's it's you know maybe they do that because they say hey you know you're going to be our guide and it's going to be all easy after this so um, be the only way that I would justify making a making a start like that so um, you look at how things went in the first half Richard I mean Juventus with a little bit more of the possession uh, but chances relatively equal and Sassuolo had more chances on target um, three on target to Juve's two but let's talk about the ones that went in. Uh, in the first half. It was uh, Leonardo Bonucci in the 20th minute. Yes, Leonardo Bonucci in the run of play, not on a set piece, not on yeah. a corner kick. Yeah, you're hearing this right. Uh, decided, you know, I, I think it was, I think Gary Bertels was on this uh, call doing the punditry, and I think he's the one that said it best. He's kind of like, yeah, probably got tired of sitting back there and said, you guys are messing this up. Screw it. I'm coming <laughs> forward bagging one since you guys can't seem to do it. Uh, Bentoncourt plays them and uh, nice finish uh, from distance by the defender. Yeah, one of the goals of the weekend for sure. Leo Bonucci uh, showing the uh, strikers for Juventus how to score a goal. Uh, well, you know, I think the pass by Bentoncourt was, was beautiful. It was perfectly in his run of play and all he had to do is run up and kick it. Um, just beat both defenders who tried to slide out in front of it and scored a goal, a howitzer, really. Uh, wonderful strike by Leo Bonucci. It's not something you really expect by him. You expect him to be one of those, you know, in front of the goal and, you know, the header or foot or something that's right there poaching it, turn it in off a corner kick or something. But um, from the run of play, it's very rare, and it was a good one, though. So uh, he needs to keep that back for his back pocket for another game. Um, the old saying is you're at your most vulnerable after you score a goal, and those next uh, few uh-huh. minutes are absolutely critical. And, um you wouldn't think a Juventus would be the team that all of a sudden uh, just, you know, gives one up a few minutes later. But lo and behold, that happens. A nice little piece of possession play by Sassuolo releases Jeremy Boga with a ballsy chip um, over uh, uh, Gigi Buffon from a pretty tight angle, a goal of the week candidate. And, uh, just like that, it's one-one. But Sassuolo deserved to be level, didn't they? Absolutely, they were they were creating chance after chance, and I I don't know why we're surprised because it is Juventus, I guess. But I mean, Roberto De Zerbi's men have been playing phenomenal team football uh, for the whole season so far, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say this is my goal of the weekend: Jeremy Boga with his chip. I mean, beautiful chip over Buffon. Um, it was just, and it was a whole good play, you know, leading up to it. So um, yeah, Sassuolo really were were. were giving it to Juventus everything they could handle they were playing with no fear and it showed you know with the goal but also the other opportunities they had in the first half and in the the game Um, all full credit's got to go to the manager for uh, instilling no fear really in his men uh, to go after the champions uh, especially when they're at home because Juve are really strong at home they're strong everywhere but mostly at home 
and uh, Sassuolo came to play in this one, and uh, it was exciting for as a neutral because this was for me the game of the weekend. Just to watch it, it was it was great to go back and forth and watch both teams uh, taking at each other. Where did you think the issues were for Juventus that Sassuolo were able to get the the kind of chances they pulled off in the first half? You know, really, it's uh, it's it's the, it's the link between the, the defense and the midfield. Um, yeah. Obviously, Delict is still young. Uh, he has a lot of raw talent, but there, you know, he still had a lot to learn. And and Buffon really uh, still. Um, Delict Delict was a horror show today. He was. He was. He's had like really good games like the past couple of weeks, and then you know today was not good at all. Um, so he didn't have that really good of a game. But the midfield also was not supporting them. They gave way too much space to Sassuolo. Uh, look as if they were afraid of them, and for good reason. Sassuolo sort of, um, you know, carving them up uh, in the offensive third, and and we saw it with that goal, uh, beautiful play between Boga and I want to say Caputo, but it could be someone else. Um, but it ended up being a beautiful, you know, goal by by Boga. So um, it's not something we see this all the time from Sassuolo, really. So just the fact that it's against Juventus is what's like, whoa, whoa, how did this happen? You know, so. Yeah, and it felt like they picked on uh, Emre Chan quite a bit too. Yes, yeah, uh, in that part early. of the midfield. Yep. Yep, for sure. So, um, you know, so it was uh, a, a little bit of a, a disjointed performance from Juventus, not what we're accustomed to seeing from the champions. Um, you know, and 1-1 at halftime uh, with Sassuolo certainly deserving to be in this match. And then they would, two minutes into the second half, they would get their deserved lead. And it was a howler by Gigi Buffon on a shot by Francesco Caputo. Now, I will say this, and, and not just saying this because he's probably my cousin, <laughs> he was outstanding. Uh, in this game uh, for the Nero Verdi. Uh, you know, he had the assist for Boga. He scores here. Um, you know, Buffon had a lot to do with that, of course. Um, but he created. Uh, he was a nuisance. Uh, it caused Delict a lot of problems in particular. Um, <clears throat> the, Juve struggled to have an answer for this guy, and he comes up with a deserved goal. But uh, uh, at the same time, uh, the greatest goalkeeper of our generation, probably the greatest goalkeeper of all time, Showed his age. It did. It did. I'm sure the rain uh, played no favors for him as well. But yeah, it was definitely the case of the yips with him. Um, the, the whole play was really yips for Juventus. Um, uh, the licked uh, with a ridiculous, uh, I guess, clearance attempt right at Caputo and Caputo uh, taking the shot. I mean, Caputo is so underrated as a striker. I mean, no matter where he plays, he just seems to put the ball in the net. It's unfortunate that he's you know what 30, 31 years old. You wish he was younger so we could see him go play at a bigger club, but. Um, this guy knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, and he continues to do it against no matter who the opponent is. And in this case, Juventus, he's opportunistic, took the shot, and you know, Gigi obviously wants that one back. Um, but yeah, the sh- he is showing his age a little bit there. Definitely couldn't get up in time to uh, uh, to get that before going on, going in. Uh, Turati had an opportunity, a similar situation a little bit later in the game, but he you know he's young. He sp- he jumped up and got the ball before it crossed the line. So um, Caputo, man, getting it done. Uh, yeah. He's uh, continuing to bat goals, and he's getting closer to that double-digit mark on the season. In really good form of late, too, uh, for the Nero Verdi, and a nice little boost while they uh, wait for Domenico Berardi to be available again. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so it would be Juventus uh, going back on the attack, going the other way. Great chance from Ronaldo that was put over the bar by uh, uh, Turati. Great save there uh, to help keep his team in it. But then uh, in the 68th minute, uh, the substitute Dybala would come on. Uh, newest member of Team Serie A sit-down, by the way, for the uh, Serie A Fantasy League. Um, brought down in the penalty area, clear penalty, Juventus fans. I'm not going to go to the mattresses on this one. Uh, this was definitely a penalty. And then uh, Ronaldo calmly converts it. 
Why the hell does he have that little headband on his head? Uh, I think the, it was raining so much that he couldn't he, he couldn't have his hair pretty, so he had to keep it up some other way. Oh I guess. Christ! I yeah. mean, well, anyway, he scored a penalty. Good for him. Um, but two-two, uh, uh, and then uh, some some chances down the stretch for Juventus to go ahead and try to win this game. But that man Torati again, right? Yeah, man, he's making uh, he was making big saves down the stretch. Uh, there was an opportunity I said where. Uh, Pjanic or Dybala took a shot. Uh, it trickled past him, and he got it before it crossed the line. Not, a little bit later on, Dybala, point-blank range. Uh, he got fingertips over it to knock it over the bar. I think one more on Pjanic as well uh, from close range. So, yeah, he had a very, very good game. This is an excellent game overall, I think. I mean, um, good goals by both teams. Um, uh, some some sloppy play, but it was really fun to watch. The, the refereeing was actually very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna credit the referee on this one. Uh, good good calls. I think the only call that I would have maybe uh, questioned was a delict was definitely a penalty on delict uh, where Juve should have got a penalty, but you know they ended up getting one a little bit later on, so it worked itself out, and that was a legit penalty for sure. Dybala was taken down. Really, the game changed when Dybala entered the game in the 53rd minute. Um, he's obviously a, a man in form, and he took over the game really once he entered. And uh, that that penalty was all because of Dybala. Uh, and it was nice to see overall that Ronaldo wasn't taking as many free kicks uh, as normal. He let Pjanic and Dybala take some kicks because they are the better takers. Uh, yeah, Ronaldo had a great shot, and, and Tarati made a save. But overall, Pjanic and Dybala are the better are, are better set piece takers. So. Um, good game overall, man. I just, I just thoroughly enjoyed watching this game. It was good from all aspects, really, other than the uh, a couple of the yips that we saw uh, from the defensive errors on the uh, Juventus. Yeah, for sure. Um, quality performance, and uh, you know, obviously, it takes two in Sassuolo, <clears throat> a team that we referred to as fun bad, and it's you know, it's no secret they're the they're they're the most uh, entertaining uh, team to watch from a neutral's perspective. Uh, just because of the Matt, well, one of the most. Uh, they've got 49 goals in the 13 games that they've played. Wow. 24 scored, 25 against. Um, I think that I think they're only bested by Atalanta. Uh, Cagliari, in fact, well, no, not Cagliari. Atalanta have 55 goals in 14 games. Uh, 34 scored, 21 against, and Lazio's up there, 33 goals, 14 against. Um, so, as far as teams that are you know entertaining, where you know goals are going to happen. Um, but when we take a look at this uh, from Sassuolo's perspective, you know, is this the start of something where they can they can launch and get something going and maybe get in get in position to get into a top half place uh, and start working their way up, or is this one of those hey they they caught Juventus defensively making a couple of bad mistakes? Um, their goalkeeper played magnificent on another day. Juventus grab all three points. You know, um, you know the the knee jerk reaction is going to say, yeah, Juve had an off game. They were, you know, it's a, they just had a big Champions League game, so they weren't really. It was a letdown game. But you know, we've seen Sassuolo do this all season long, where they've had really good games. I think Deserbi uh, has got to give give him credit because the way this team plays compared to how they play in the past, um, it's really fun to watch. Like we said, they're 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 fun bad because they they do score goals. They give up a lot of goals, but they score goals. And so the fact that they're um, they're attacking these teams, they're scoring goals. I mean, every one of their goals seem to be a, a goal of the week candidate with them because it's beautiful team play, um, and all that credit has to go to the manager. and And I think this, whether Juventus had an off day or not, this would have been a close game no matter what. Um, the the real que- real question with Sassuolo is not 
um, are they good enough? It's 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 which show which team is going to show up that day? Jekyll or Hyde, right? Um, right. If they're if they're if they're good if they're good, Sassuolo shows up. They can play with anybody in the league. It's going to be fun to watch. If they're t- if it's their bad team, then they're going to get blown out by anybody in the league. So uh, it's it really is a fun bad team, and I don't know if there's any other team that we can say that about like we can with Sassuolo this season. Yeah, I yeah, for totally agree. Um, <clears throat> they're a they're they're in a, they're in neutrals delight because you're going to see goals in those games and uh, credit to them for uh, for putting it on the line and a, a great performance. Would you say Tarati's man of the match here? Nine saves in this game. Uh, actually, not nine. Seven seven saves in this game. I should say had nine shots against him. He made seven big saves. He's got to be the 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 man of the match. Um, he really was a reason that uh, Sassuolo got a point out of this because Juve were trying and they did come even when the ball was out there. They were peppering him, and he was making save after save. Yeah, they scored two goals. One was a penalty, but overall, he just he he didn't look like an eighteen-year-old. He looked like this wasn't his first game. So, um, hopefully, this is uh gives him confidence that you know he could go toe to toe with Buffon. I'm sure it's an idol of his, and uh, take it from here because as you said earlier, it'll just be easier from here, right? After Juventus, right. uh, it should be fairly easy. So, uh, hopefully, he can uh, build on this and. Uh, have a long, successful career, whether it's Sassuolo or a bigger club, but I uh, look forward to seeing more of him. Yep. Juventus. Um, they've, they, they, this has happened to them before. I mean, they can shake this off. I mean, it was a game that otherwise... Uh, it, it's a game that they otherwise win, um, yeah. especially when you take a look at the second half. And then to your point when uh, Dybala came on and how the game changed when he came on. I mean, when you take a look, second half... Uh, I'll read the stats. Uh, possession, Juventus 58-42. Shots, Juventus 21-2. to Shots on target, Juventus 7-1. to um, Seven corner kicks. No corner kicks for Sassuolo in the second half. Four big chances, three of them missed for Juventus. Um, you know, they'll look at this as two points dropped, but, uh, you know, one of those where I don't think it's time for anybody to panic or say they're in crisis. They they played Buffon in goal. You're normally going to see Chesney in goal. You normally don't see Emery Chan out there you normally don't see you know Matias Delic who's still adapting to a new league has been playing a lot better I actually thought he was very good against Atletico Madrid um you know uh, he just he he had a stinker today he's young that's gonna happen uh Gonzalo Higuain wasn't particularly good today had a couple of great chances that you normally expect him to score and he doesn't score uh so you know got a couple of guys on a bad day and that was enough for Sassuolo to get a point it was enough for Juve to drop two Absolutely, and really, you know, Juve fans can shouldn't be too disheartened by this game. Yeah, they maybe they dropped a position in this after this game, but um, they had their chances and they were close. I mean, Ronaldo nearly got the game winner uh, with the last seconds of the game with a header, so um, it was there for them. Uh, you know, just an off day. It was raining. Uh, Sassuolo is a pesky team who can play with anybody, so don't don't, don't be too disheartened by this. It, it's a, this is a, a typical game for Juventus getting a point. They did not lose, so at least you got that going for you and. Uh, yeah, they're going to continue being uh, at top of the table and, and being pretty consistent uh, compared to every other team in the league. Yep, yep. So we'll see um, We'll see what this does for them going forward. Um, certainly, I don't think they're going to be too bothered by it. There's still plenty of games left, and this is a two-horse race, and we'll talk about the other horse uh, who, who jumped them and now are in first uh, here among the batch of nine games. But uh, do give us your comments. We thought Juve Sassuolo was the game of the week. Uh, here at Serie A Sit Down. Go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. And now let's discuss what went on on the peninsula. 
Yeah, so we'll start with uh, Saturday. Uh, we had three games on the slate. Um, we'll start with first Atalanta hosting or on the road at Brescia. Uh, new manager Fabio Grosso behind the bench. Uh, things will not get better for Brescia, unfortunately, uh, when you have the goal, pa- goal scoring machine of Atalanta coming. Uh, in the 26th minute, uh, Mario Pasalic would score a goal, a nice backdoor goal, making 1 nothing for Atalanta. In the 61st, he would get his brace with a lovely back heel flick goal of the week candidate. Uh, and then in the, in the second minute of stoppage time, uh, Josep Ilicic, uh showing his speed, which I did not know he had. I thought this guy had like one mile per hour speed, but this guy flew down the, down the field, pretty much had a breakaway from, from midpoint, uh, gets his goal. Atalanta win 3 nothing at Brescia. Moving on, Tiago Mota's team Genoa would face uh, would host Torino in this one. This was actually a game uh, pretty dominated by Genoa. Uh, didn't get didn't, they failed on scoring on their opportunities many times, and of course we know what happens in football when you don't take your chances. The other team comes back and bites you. Uh, in the seventy seventh minute, a goal off a, off a set piece, Bremer scores one nothing. Torino win that uh, on the road. Good good victory for them. Uh, and then maybe the shock of the Saturday, uh, Fiorentina hosting Lecce. Uh, Maybe scoreless in the first half, 0-0. And then just after the second half started, uh, Lamantia uh, would score a goal, make it 1-0 for Lecce. And that would be all the goals in the game. Uh, not too exciting. And Lecce do get a win, a much-needed three points for them and their survival hopes for uh, Serie A this season. Uh, disappointing loss for Fiorentina. Moving on to Sunday, the other team in the race, the other second horse, uh, Inter hosting Spal. Arturo Martinez may be the man in form for Europe in, in terms of strikers. Uh, he would get a brace in the first half. First in the 16th minute, a lovely strike. Uh, low on the ground, just gets inside the post. one uh, nothing in the 16th minute. And then in the 41st minute, uh, a header. Smallest man on the pitch gets a header goal. Um, wonderful assist by uh, Lukaku, I believe. Uh, 2 nothing at halftime. Looks like Inter were going to run away with this one. But this is Inter Pazza, Pazza Inter. Uh, in the 50th minute, Matteo Vallotti, one of the Gold of the Week candidates, uh, he would score a goal, make it 2-1. to one. Inter fans worrying if this is going to end up being a 2-2 game. They would hold on. They they got some good opportunities later on. Uh, Latura Martinez had a couple opportunities to score a hat-trick and missed those. Um, and uh, one other player had an opportunity as well. But 2-1 was the final in that one. Inter move into first place with that victory. Uh, team who's third in the, in the table looking to uh, build on their lead. Lazio hosting Udinese. Uh, Chiri Immobile in the ninth minute would get a goal with a lovely pass from uh, SMS, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, make it one nothing for Lazio in the 36th minute, a penalty. Um, he would make it after Joaquin Correa would be taken down in the box. Uh, he gets his 17th goal of the season, uh, so everyone is a reminder for here. Frank did pick him for the Capo Cananieri, uh, and he's got a sizable lead right now. He might hit 20 before the Christmas break. Uh, so it was 2 nothing at that point. And then in the stoppage time in first half, uh, Joaquin Correa taken down again. Uh, Luis Alberto this time would step up and take the penalty. Uh, 3 nothing at halftime, and that's how we will end. Uh, Lazio had opportunities in the second half to build on that, but uh, didn't get any more goals. 3 nothing the final there. Um, and then uh, m- moving on to Sunday, uh, Parma hosting Milan. This game was... Uh, from a goal scoring standpoint, it wasn't much going on in this one, uh, but it was actually very hard fought. A lot of effort in this game, but you know both teams taking opportunities. Milan definitely you know carrying the possession in this one, carrying the play. Um, all that effort would finally pay off in the 88th minute. Um, the new left back Hernandez, Teo Hernandez, would score the goal. Uh, celebrated with the fans, uh, one nothing. Milan win, going away, much needed three points for them. 
because uh, they move now back up to mid-table, moving away from the relegation zone. Shock of the weekend, really, for me, Napoli hosting Bologna. Uh, scoring would start with Napoli's favor, Llorente in the, in the 41st minute. Uh, Napoli get the lead there. They go into halftime, one nothing lead. Okay, it's okay, here we go. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, in the second half, Bologna, Skov Olskin in the 58th minute, equalized, uh, left wide open back door, Koulibaly trying to clear it, clear the right to Skov Olsen. Uh, he puts it away 1-1. And then in the 80th minute, Sansone would score a goal, uh, make it 2-1 Bologna. Llorente thought he tied the game up late in the game. VAR stepped in, said, no, sir, you were offsides. Um, question, a very questionable call. I, I want get to get to that on you just a little bit here, Frank. Uh, but 2-1 Bologna with the victors in this one. The crisis mode in Napoli continues. And then to round out the weekend, Hellas Verona's hosting Roma. Uh, goal scoring was start first in the uh, first half by Young Cliver in the 17th minute. Uh, wonderful goal off the left wing. Uh, make it 1-0 for Roma. Uh, as you mentioned, teams are most vulnerable after they score a goal. And Faraoni would score a goal in the 21st minute, make it 1-1. Uh, this game was a little too tight for Roma fans. But uh, they would eventually pull away. Uh, Perotti get a penalty in the 45th minute just before halftime. And then in stoppage time, one of the team goals of the weekend between Pellegrini, um, Perotti, and Mkhitaryan, who scored the goal, uh, make it 3-1 Roma. They went 3-1 on the road. And so those are the, the games of the week. I'm reminded of Man of La, Man- Man of La Mancha when I see La Mantia on the score sheet. <laughs> to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, <laughs> and Lecce does that. Uh, it's just poetic. Uh, so uh, that was that was one that caught my caught my attention when I saw him turn up on the score sheet. Um, you know, taking a look at the results here. Um, you know, just painting it with a broad brush. I mean, the teams that uh, <clears throat> needed results got them. Lazio, you know, trying to position themselves. And we'll hear from Cagliari on Monday at home against Sampdoria. They can still be a thing here in this uh, uh, top four discussion. Um, Atalanta getting a win to stay within within reach. Um, couple, a couple of things that jump out at me. Um, you know, first of all, Milan and Easy for us to say as Milan supporters, but uh, for the first, it's it's the first win under Stefano Pioli. Um, it is a win where they controlled the entire match. Um, Parma's game was very predictable. They wanted to soak and strike, and they wanted to try to hit Milan on the break with the pace they have going forward with Gervinho, uh, with some of the playmaking that Kulishevsky has done. And I thought that Milan did a very nice job of diffusing that when they lost possession. Yeah. Um, you know, they controlled the match and they kept their discipline for the entire 90 minutes. And those are the things that you're trying to see from a young team uh, that just have not turned up under Pioli just yet. The quality of football is getting a lot better. But finally, a game where it all came together and there was one goal. There should have been a heck of a lot more. Seppe was outstanding. Um, <clears throat> but you had you had Jack Bonaventura pulling the strings in midfield, did a fantastic job. A striker's going to have to come through for Milan here, whether it's Piontek or Leal, or else um, the, these are going to be very labored games. It's going to be a lot of um, a lot of possession, a lot of style, but not a lot of substance in the manner of wins. Uh, so, but a big win and probably a huge load off Stefano Pioli's shoulders. Uh, so Milan getting a win there. Um, you know. Uh, Matsari gets to keep his house for another week uh, <laughs> as Torino wins. 
Um, and then you look at Napoli. I mean, you asked me about the about the call there about. I think it was, was his arm offside. Yeah, this is, like where, this is where I'm kind of pissed off with VAR because earlier in the season they they came out and said well, had, as long as your feet are onside that that's all that matters and they keep going back and forth with this and this is the kind of the gray area that I keep talking about that it's very inconsistent with me you know pick pick something and go with it and they keep going back and forth with this call if they went with the call they made earlier in the season that would have been onside uh, but you know his arm was offside in this case and they, you know so if they can get that straight that's what make me happy but they can't. And that's why I can see Napoli fans being upset that the goal the goal did not count by VAR, and um, this is not the first time they had an incident with VAR. Ancelotti's even came out against the FIGC and complained about the VAR. So uh, it's just something to add on to all their misery. Yeah, um, you know, a bit disappointing, a bit bitter, and, and upsetting. But in Napoli, that to me was ordinary. Um, I watched a good oh, yeah. chunk of this oh, yeah. game. You know, so, I mean, some of this is self-inflicted. I mean, they can sit there and chirp all they want that they should have gotten a point out of this and that the rule was ridiculous. But, you know, let's look at the grand scope of this game. Um, you know, they outshoot Bologna 30-11. to 11. They got six shots on target um, with one of them going in. Skodipski made five saves in this game. I mean, you look at the stats here from Napoli, and it didn't feel like Napoli played like this. You know, I mean, it just kind of maybe because we're used to seeing these kind of numbers and we're used to seeing four goals go with it. So this is a team that is desperately struggling to score goals up front and they're trying everything. Ancelotti's trying everything. This time it was Lozano, Llorente and Insigne in a three-man attack. You know, <clears throat> I just think you run Dries Mertens into the ground at this point. I think he's your best attacker. I think he's your best guy as far as having an ability to score go- score score goals, especially in Serie A. And I think you need to make him part of your attack. Um, you know, whether you play him on a wing, he can do that. He does it for Belgium. Uh, or you play him as a false nine. Uh, I think that Napoli needs to start doing that because Llorente had the goal, which was which was great, but there wasn't a whole lot he did beyond that. Um, Insigne is going to – Insigne hasn't seen a shot he doesn't like. And that's not a bad thing. You don't want to take away somebody's desire to desire to take chances and try and score goals. Um, you know, Lothano's trying to to break into this thing a little bit. How dynamic would a Insigne Mertens Lozano trio be? It would be very. Uh, it'd be very fun and very tasty to watch as a neutral. Um, and you know, Callejon also has his place as well because he, he has his little uh, X factor in him as well. But you know, you got to see Lozano out there. And I agree with you. Dries Mertens needs to be out there and run him dry. Um, he had probably had the best chance for Napoli outside of Llorente's goal. So um, he needs. He's someone who's probably the most talented on the team uh, and the most likely to score goals in bunches. So you know, ride that a horse as best you can, and you know, hopefully that. You know, he'll take whomever's with him, whether it be Insigne and Lozano or Callejon or Milik or whomever. Uh, hopefully, he can take them with him. But uh, he's probably your your best player, and you need a, you need to you need to feed him and and um, get him as much pitch time as possible. So uh, to get as to get the max point that you want, because you know a one point here, zero points there, that's not going to cut it for Napoli. Uh, yep. They've been so close to the top lately. They need a they need to get three points. Yep. Yep. It's. You know, winning will cure everything. You got to take a look at Napoli's fixture list coming up. They'll have that big game at uh, Genk uh, to try to secure qualification. They do go to Udinese on Saturday. Then they host Parma at Sassuolo. 
uh, then they host Inter. So, you know, they've got three games where they can get things right here, uh, plus the game against Gang. So four games in all comps, you know, before they host Inter and then travel to Lazio. Um, you know, so there's a chance here that they can get this, uh, they can get this right. Um, we'll see if they can. Um, it's going to be very interesting, uh, you know, going forward. I, I think they're getting all of the chances and I think that they're playing, nothing's really changed about the way they've played and what they've created. They're just not scoring, you know, and, and we're not used to seeing this from Napoli, you know, and it's, do you think this is a letdown from their, you know, the masterclass against Liverpool? I mean, uh, they look very, they don't look, they look very unlike themselves lately when they played Liverpool because they played very well in that game. And do you think it's just maybe a letdown against Bologna that they, you know, the opponent is obviously much lower than than Liverpool, so maybe they just let their guard down a little too much and uh, gave Bologna a little too much uh, opportunities at the goal. There's there's truth to that. There's some there's some merit to to, to that. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's it's hard to play a high-profile match like that and then have to come back and play again three days later. And I get that these guys are paid professionals. you got to remember, they had to go to the San Siro, and then they had to go to Anfield. And now they get a home game against a Bologna team that's not really a pushover. You know, so, and they had this game won. They were winning, and they were controlling the game, and they had more chances. They just didn't score enough of them, you know. Um, and some of that you give credit to Skorupski. He made some big saves in this game. Um, and some of it you got to give credit to Bologna for being opportunistic and hanging in there and, and making the most of their chances. Uh, Skov Olsen, his goal came off of a rebound. Um, should he have been marked? Sure. I, I think the marking was poor by Napoli in the end, but the original cross wasn't intended for him, and the original target was marked. I can't remember who it was on it. Um, but Skov Olsen was sitting there on the back post when it, Karen back to him. I mean, it just fell perfectly for him. Yeah. The second goal, I think, has to be defended better. It was a nice combination to play in Sansone, <clears throat> but somebody's got to be able to track that, or you got to try to trap him offside, one of the two. Um, but defensively, everybody wasn't on the same page on that one, and Bologna took advantage and scored. So, you know, so those are the little things that are maybe prohibiting Napoli from getting full points in all of these games along with finishing on the other end, and they're hitting a dry patch. But I think the, the first solution is you get the guy that knows how to score goals in this league, Grease Mertens, and you play him as much as you can. So um, let's see what Ancelotti does, and let's see how he, he reacts. He's going to have six days before they have to get back out there and go to Udinese, and we'll see what kind of team he puts out there. But I don't. They, they shouldn't worry about Gink. They got to go and get three points here. They got to start building momentum and work their way back up the table. Um, Inter are top of the league. We've gone uh, thirty-nine minutes into this podcast. <laughs> you know, before now discussing that the fact that they have reclaimed the top. Uh, let me ask you this. If we had to do a squadra finora now instead of at midseason, uh, which you know midseason's in a few in a few weeks, uh, is Lautaro Martinez in it? Oh, one hundred percent. He's the, I think he is the man in form right now in Europe as far as strikers go. Um, it seems like everything he shoots goes in the net. So he is definitely in the in the squadra finora in terms of strikers. Um, it's hard to take him off, you know. Obviously, Immobile is going to be in there, but Arturo's probably got a, a cemented place in there as well, in my opinion. Yep, 
Uh, he's he was terrific. Brozovic was terrific again. I mean, but yet, you, like you said, it got back to Pazzo Inter with the the goal from Belotti. I mean, when you take a look at how the second half played out, you don't expect you don't expect Spall to get into a possession battle with you. Okay, and it was 50-50 in the second half. And much of that was because Inter had the 2-0 lead, and I think that Conte was willing to cede some possession in certain areas and let Spall have it, um, which you see his teams tend to do sometimes. Yeah. But I'm not used to Antonio Conte teams just – wonderful goal by Velotti. He's in my top five. But – the defending to allow a, a, a player like Matteo Velotti be able to, that's not Lionel Messi running through you. <laughs> okay. That's Matteo Velotti running through you. Um, you know, big problem when you're going to see Lionel Messi here in about nine or 10 days time. Uh, if Velotti's running through you, imagine Messi looking at that defense and he's got to be licking his chops. Absolutely. Yeah. This is not a Conte type defense yet. Um, I don't think that the, the three the three big hogs back there have quite figured out how to play in Conte's system just yet. Once they do, it's going to be lights out. But I think it's a growing pains at the moment. Um, also, Conte has never had a a a team like uh, Pazza Inter, you know, that they have to deal with where they sh- they shut off at, at random times and it's mind scratching why they're doing this after playing so well. Um, so he's still got to work through that as well. So I think, you know, once the second half of the season starts and, and the team finally, hopefully, uh, starts getting his, uh, his methodology in terms of defense, you'll see less and less of those chances, less they're brilliant runs like, uh, like someone like Messi or someone like that. Maybe not so much of a Lotti. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a little concerning at the moment if you're an Inter fan to see that, you know, your, your three big defenders are getting, you know, run ragged and run, and run like Swiss cheese when uh, with average players going by them. So, yep, indeed. Um, I can I can sit here and 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 take victory laps about Chudo Immobile again. And let's go to the Immobile tracker. He is now on pace for forty six goals. Oh, it's gone up. Yeah, it's gone up. A, a brace will do that this early in the season. Yeah, I'm a little bit. 20. Be, but here's the thing: for a team Serie A sit down, our fantasy team. We got rid of Luis Alberto to pick up Dybala. Um, so a sacrifice we had to be made to get Dybala on there. So Luis yes. Alberto is an excellent player. He, he's one of the best assist players in, in probably Europe. Um, but, you know, Dybala is better than him, unfortunately. To, unfortunately for everybody else, in, in terms of fantasy points, Dybala is, uh, and even, even in reality, Dybala is a much better player. and He's a, he's a playmaker. Uh, you can't leave him out. Right. Um, so, yeah. So Immobile is on pace for forty-six goals. Luis Alberto. I'm so I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit tilted that uh, they did not give um, the chance to uh, Immobile to get his hat trick. You got to think Immobile gave that up. He's trying to be a team player. Maybe he's getting his goals. I, I agree with you. I, you know, if, whenever I see a striker on a hat trick and the penalty comes up, give it to him. But you know, somebody more times than not, the, the, they give it up to somebody else. Uh, this guy's gonna get twenty goals before Christmas, and that's that's gonna be that's crazy to say. I, mean, I can't remember the last time a goal, a goal scorer scored twenty goals before Christmas break in Serie A. So he's having a, he's having one of those magical years. We thought you know Quadriella last year with his performance because of his age. Uh, was special, but this is uh, this is turning into a fine season by him. I'm 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 licking my chops at the at the possibility of what could happen if he continues on this pace. 
And how do you not have anybody other than Chiro Immobile as your captain in this fantasy Serie A thing right now? I mean, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Guaranteed just goals every game. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We started off with with Pablo Gomez as our captain. We have now switched to Immobile as our captain, and 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 we are flying high. Team Serie A sit down is up to eight hundred and ten points, Richard. We're we're making a run. Uh, coming in, we were eleventh in the uh, Campionato Calcio A. Um, out of how many teams are entered in that. We were in first in Rocco's League by a wide margin. You hear that, Rocco? If you're in Rocco's <laughs> League, Rocco, if you're listening, guys, come on now, step up your game. We've, we've figured this thing out. Y'all got to come get us now. So, so um, you know, so, uh, and, you know, I think we're pretty much doing well in all the leagues that we're in across the board. AC Milan Supporters Club, United States League. Uh, I think we're on the first page of every one of those. So, um so we're doing we're doing all right, um, but yeah, uh, we don't get the Alberto goal today because we dropped him for DiBala. But in the long run, uh, DiBala is probably going to be the better guy for us. So um, it's all about getting the guys that are going to score us some goals. That's that's what it's about. So um, lastly, um, Roma, yeah, fourth, oh, yeah. Um, and you know they're not Jeko dependent. They're not Kolarov dependent. You know, in terms of their attack, uh, they're getting it. They're getting it from a bunch of different people. Now, Clivert, uh left the game early. He ended up getting injured and had to come off. We don't know how serious that is, but Mkhitaryan coming on, Perotti. So you're seeing Roma doing it with a bunch of different people at this point. And uh, you know, to go that that's no uh, small feat uh, going to Verona the way that Verona has been playing this season. They're the most uneventful team you're going to be around, and they went on the road and got three on them. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a big victory right there because Verona, one of the best best defensive teams in the league, you know, surprising or not, um, and the fact that you know Roma went there and scored three goals on them, you know, you got you got to give them full credit. Paul, Paulo Fonseca's men are really you know pushing the envelope in terms of the offensive output, and uh, having guys you know having the goal scoring spread out as it is, and Mkhitaryan finally getting back up to speed, game speed after injuries, um, it's gonna be big for them. He you know once he once he's fully fit. He's going to be a, a a special player for them, and we saw with that goal that the ability of passing with the three players there and him finishing it off. And that's some good signs for Roma to Roma ahead. So, um, you know the 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 capital right now is a, the fun place to be in terms of watching teams play because both the clubs are are shooting for the the top spot and both are comfortably in Champions League at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, we'll see if that holds up. But Roma, uh, good performance today, winning at Verona. So I think we covered everything here, Richard. Um, goals of the week, give, yeah. Want to give your goals of the week? Actually, let's. Uh, I mean, quick one on Brescia. As ever, you know, as they keep playing Bellotelli, they keep failing, and uh, yeah, this is not looking good for them. No, they got a new manager in Fabio Grosso, and the things have not changed. I, I think when Bellotelli is out there, I, I I do like Bellotelli. But he he takes so much attention from from the rest of the team. They seem to want to feed him too much, and it takes away from their team play. When he was not in the lineup earlier in the season, uh, they were they're spreading it out. Donnarumma would always be an end of those plays, uh, but now they're they're almost trying to feed him too much, and and unfortunately, um, it's the team suffers because of it, and they're getting beat, you know, left and right. So, um, not good times right now if you're a Brescia fan or Balotelli. Yeah, I'll say this, Fabio Grosso could go pointless as manager of Brescia and I won't care. Yeah. I won't care. That man 
that man brought me a World Cup as an Italian, <laughs> and 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 won a semifinal against Germany and had the winning penalty against France in the 2006 World Cup. About the only thing that will make me say, "Oh, please," the only thing that will make me say, you know, get angry and like not like Fabio Grosso if he just all of a sudden decides to get all racist, and that's not an issue because his owner is taking care of that for him. Yeah. Um, what an asshole. Oh, um, I can't believe he said that. It's just like, do you, do you know who's watching you? Do you know people are cracking down on this? Or people are at least trying to say, look, this is, you know, got to get cleaned up. And I, I, I just, never mind. I, you know, hmm. I just, I don't want to start. Yeah. Um, but no, Fabio Grosso can go zero points as manager at Brescia. And, you know, I, I won't be bothered by it. And the Brescia supporters who are national team supporters, don't be shouldn't be bothered by it. This man brought a world. This man delivered a World Cup for Italy. So, um, so let him fail all he wants. I not not going to change what. Not going to change the way I feel about the man. So, um, but yeah, I mean the Balotelli effect. I mean ever since they started using him, it's just been a it's just been a struggle. Um, but that's what you get. And, and the thing with Balotelli is, and it's five six. Six straight defeats, um, nine nine straight winless. Ever since they go back to last time they won, September twenty first, they beat Udinese one nil. So, not going to get it done at this level, and a lot of this is Balotelli starting in just about all of those games, and it just seems like there's an effect. And I hate to be the one that says it, but says it, but maybe Balotelli is not a fit for this team. And yeah. maybe it's time to make sure Donnarumma is your guy. And if you want to have Bellatelli come in in the last 15 minutes, if you need a goal, then sure. Okay? But, you know, I'm going with the information that is presented to me in these games and what I'm seeing on the pitch. I'm not, I'm not putting a bias one way or another against somebody. Okay? But I've, I've got history with Bellatelli. And I've, as a Milan supporter, I've dreaded the games – where he was out there, you know, standing around waiting for either a free kick or a penalty to happen because he had no other role in the game. Yep. You know, Brescia, this is what you signed up for, okay? And you made your bed and you sleep. Marseille learned this the hard way last year, <laughs> okay? I have a good friend who's a big Marseille fan. I said, didn't love that Bellatelli was going to be there and all this. I said, you're going to get to a point where you're going to hate him. You're going to get to a point where you're going to just, you're going you're gonna to be very upset. So I said, trust me, because it has happened at every place he's been to. So, and it has nothing to, you know, nothing to do with anything else that some people like to talk about, <clears throat> you know, um, outrage culture included. Um, he's not, it's not that he's a bad footballer, okay, because on his day when he gives a shit, he can be dominant, okay, oh, yeah. but he's not always motivated. And that has been the knock on him throughout his career, and that's something that we're not going to dance around here on Serie A sit down. Hundred percent agree. You can't. I mean, it's we've seen it many times with him, and uh, unfortunately, it's true. <laughs> so uh, we'd like to say it's not, but it, it is what it is, and uh, hopefully, one day it'll turn. But I don't see it in the foreseeable future. So, yeah, for sure. Okay, now let's do goals of the week. <laughs> uh, falling up after that. Uh, top five was a little difficult for me this week. Uh, my honorable mention is going to go with Mario Pasalic with his backheel flick. 
Number five for me uh, from the Inter game, Mattia Velotti walking through the Inter defense. Number four, Leo Bonucci with his strike that we rarely see from distance. Number three, I'm going to give it to the goalkeeper, Stefano Torati, his saves on Ronaldo, Pianic, Dybala. Uh, man of the match performance for me for Sassuolo. Number two is the Roma team goal. You love team goals. Uh, the, the link-up play between Pellegrini, Perotti, and Mkhitaryan for the goal uh, in stoppage time was, uh, I think, a brilliance. And for me, the goal of the weekend was Jeremy Boga with his beautiful flick or chip shot over uh, Buffon. Um, put that in your memory bank, kid. Uh, not many people can say that they scored Buffon like that. So uh, sure. those are my top five. Uh, goals of the week for me. First of all, let me get to the honorable mentions, and it will be the goalkeepers. Turati hits the honorable mention for me. Um, and uh, shout out to Gabriel. Six big saves against Fiorentina to help preserve the three points, a critical three points for Lecce and their ambitions to try to stay up this year. Um, great game from the kid. Um, uh, <clears throat> and then honorable mention also to uh, Fabrizio Pasqua and his official officiating crew. Uh, these were the guys that officiated the Napoli and Bologna game and had the balls at the San Paolo <laughs> to... <laughs> To take away the to take away the tying goal and rule Fernando Llorente offside. I don't know if you guys got out of Napoli alive. You probably didn't. <laughs> but that was gutsy. You want to make your mark and you want to you want to gain some gain some notoriety. You sir, you sure did it there. So yeah. oh, I yeah. had an I had a note to make mention of that. So, and since you're giving praise to referee, I want to give a quick praise to Federico La Pena, uh, who did the Sassuolo Juventus game. I thought he did an excellent job in that, so I just wanted to chime in there since we're giving love to referees now. You're just man crushing on that game. <laughs> I am. I slept in. I didn't see it. And I, 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 I turned it on and, and caught some highlights and watched some extended, not just what you see on the YouTube clip. I did watch some extended stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was a very good game. Um, so... All right, now my top five. All right, here we go. Um, number five, I am going with – where the hell did I put it? I had this listed. I had this listed nicely. Now, where the, what the hell did I do? Do I only have four? I might only have four. That can't be right. There weren't many goals to choose from, so. No, there weren't. There weren't many goals hard. to choose from. Oh, no, excuse me. Um, number five is actually Lautaro Martinez's second goal. Beautiful cross from uh, Condreva and headed home brilliantly by ah, yes. uh, Lautaro Martinez. So that was number five for me. Number four for me is Mkhitaryan's goal to seal the three points for Roma. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, uh, I am going to go with uh, the Pasolich back heel for Atalanta. Uh, I'm going with Velotti's goal as number two for Spall. Okay. And then number one, I am with you. Jeremy Boga has the goal of the week uh, for nice. Sassuolo, the uh, delicate yet ballsy chip on mm-hmm. uh, Gen Luigi Buffon. So winners and losers. Winners for me, Stefano Pioli. Um, and not just because I'm a Milan fan, but this has been coming. It was finally 90 minutes that Milan were able to put together against the Parma team that is really good. Let's not forget that. And has been really good this season, this season sitting in the top half of the table. Um they finally found a way to break them down, keep their nerve, and, and make their way through 90 minutes, navigate through it, and get it done. So uh, good for Stefano Pioli to get his first win as Milan manager. Um, and then the uh, loser for me, um, you know, too convenient for me to say Napoli. So I'm just going to go back to the well here and, and say Brescia. Um, nothing's working. And I get Atalanta's a <laughs> – it's a little harsh because they played Atalanta, but um, – 
you know, it's uh, it's not getting any better. And uh, like we said, I think it's time for Donnarumma to be the striker and Balotelli to be shown the bench. Something's got to change over there. That's where I'd start. Yeah, that's that's, that's good stuff there. Um, I agree 100% there. Um, I got two winners for me. Uh, first winner is 18-year-old Stefano Turati. Uh, big game against Juventus. And because of that, my other winner is Inter. Uh, this All the signs pointed that they were going to ch- find some way to choke against Spal and, and lose their opportunity to overtake Juventus for first place. They did not. They came and showed up in grand part to Arturo Martinez. But uh, Inter got the three points that they needed. They're on top of the table, and they're giving Juve all the run for their money this season, which is great to see because we do not want to see Juventus walk away with the title easily again, make it make it tough for them. Inter are certainly doing that. So they're my winners of the week, those two. Uh, losers of the week for me, man, I hate to keep going to this team, but uh, Fiorentina, again, it's just abysmal performance uh, again, once again, for them against Lecce, a bottom-of-the-league team. Um Yes, Gabriel had a fantastic game, and all kudos for him. But Fiorentina, with all the talent they have at their disposal and all the rumors now with Gaza possibly getting traded and all this and that, they continue to struggle, and they're slipping further and further down the table. Um, now they're behind, they're underneath Milan now. So uh, things continue to get tougher for Fiorentina, so they they are my losers of the week. Okay. Um Okay, before we go on, let's talk managers here because I think the sack is coming and the noose is getting tight for some guys. Um, I'm going to name three guys and you tell me uh, who you think is most likely. Simplici at Spal, Montella at Fiorentina, or Mazzari at Torino? You know, um, based on current form, I think I would go with Simplici just because um Spal has been although they haven't been the greatest of teams you know during their their recent campaign in Syria they usually are been out of the relegation zone it's been close for sure they and last year they had a magical run to, uh to get way away from the relegation zone uh but this year with the departure of a couple of key players they've struggled mightily they they can they they can't score the goals that they need to uh I, I think the stat was something like nine nine goals in 14 games or something crazy and it's and it's it's troubling um so I, I think Simplice uh, is a guy who uh, his days are numbered, and, and another person I would point to is probably Montella. Um, Fiorentina should not be in a position as they are right now, or the, as they have been last year. And you know, Montella was brought in to kind of uh, reinvigorate the offense and kind of get the 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 the, the, the big time players there to step up and, and start scoring goals. And they're struggling; they cannot score goals to save their lives. So. Um, Montella's got to be uh, close. He's probably going to be definite for the season, but I think Simplice is going to be the first manager really to uh, to be kicked out of uh, the, the managerial role this season. I'm going to say Mo- one, I should say I'm going to say Montella is the next to go. Um, just because Spall have kept their faith in Simplice through right. difficult times already, and we have sample there. We don't have much sample with Rocco Comiso as an owner, but I think his patience is going to start wearing thin here. Um, and he's going to get tired of the same thing over and over again, because most owners tend to. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. And if this slide continues here for Fiorentina, I I can only see one answer, and Montella could be out. So I'm going to go Montella, then Simplici, and then I think that even though I mean I think that Mazzotti's safe. Um, got the win here at Genoa, was an important win, but. 
I, I think of the three, I think we're looking at Montella being the most likely to be the next man to get sacked. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I won't argue that. So, all right. Well, I mean, it was a segue because you mentioned Fiorentina as a loser, so I thought we'd bring up the discussion about managers. So, anyway, um, your winners and losers, your goals of the week, next manager to go. Tell us all. City, I sit down at City, I sit down on Twitter at Instagram. Uh, let's talk a little national team. Okay, um, this will be quick, Richard. The draw for the Italian national team uh, for the Euro 2020 came out, and Italy will play the opening match of Euro 2020 on Friday, June 12th, against Turkey in Italy. Uh, and that is uh, they're in Group A, and they will also play Switzerland and Wales. So that is the group for the Azzurri for Roberto Mancini's men. Uh Let's give a knee-jerk reaction. I think the best way to do this is just kind of talk about each of these opponents here as far as Italy's chances. Overview, safe to say they're the favorites to win this group. There's no reason why they can't win this group, right? It's a group of death. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is a this is a favorable group for them. They should, in my opinion, uh, obviously as yours as well, is that they should win the group in this one. And I, um, I think that's a very... Uh, someone mentioned it may it may have been you, but they, you know they're gonna be a dark horse going into Euro 2020, and uh, winning the group is not beyond the realm of, of of belief there. So I think that's a a very good chance that that'll happen. It was me. There you I go. I didn't say that they were gonna be a dark horse. I still find them to be a dark horse, and now that they got a group like this, um, and if they win this group, they will get to play a third place team, uh, from one of the other groups. So that's uh, that's the goal there. If they finish second, they would play, I believe, whoever finishes second from Group C uh, between Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and then the playoff winner, winner D. Uh, and I'm not going to go into those playoff scenarios. <laughs> <clears throat> um, it looks like those are. And I just did, I did look ahead a little bit, and those are single elimination, semifinal, and final. There's like 16 teams playing for the last four places for these for this competition so um one by one i mean they'll open against turkey uh they're going to be some familiar faces in that team up uh, the hakan chalunolu chief among them um you know but uh i believe uh Demirel will probably play defense for them um they've the turkish league is decent but probably not as good as they've been in years past uh, and what i find from turkey uh, when I look at them, is that they've got some creators, Chalinolu being one of them, uh, Yazisi, who plays for Lille, uh, another one that you probably have to watch out for. Uh, it's kind of a merry-go-round of strikers. Seng Tosun from uh, Everton might be the striker when this game starts on June 12th. Uh, but for me, those are the guys you got to look at. But a defense that you can get at, and with the way Italy plays... I expect in the game being in Italy, I expect him to boss this game and get off to a good start. Uh, absolutely. Uh, another player you may see is Ahmed Katucu, 
hashtag Frika Tichu. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I think of Turkey, I think I remember the other team from 2008 in Euros, uh, how fantastic they were, and that was really the golden generation of Turkey. And since then, we've really not seen a uh, formidable Turkish side, and I I, I believe that's going to continue. Um, the Azuri, especially the way they've been playing lately, should have no problem with them. Uh, yeah, a couple of those players that you mentioned uh, will, will be a thorn in their side. They'll have to they'll have to obviously find ways to 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 mitigate what they do. But overall, I think the Azuri are in a fine place. I mean, the midfield that they have should be able to boss uh, the possession. Um, and then uh, Azuri got to be the favorites. Uh, they have to be. Um, I don't really f- foresee Turkey really putting too much of a um, a, a problem against uh, Italy. Last time Italy opened against Turkey was Euro 2000. They made it to the final. Aha. Uh-huh. So we'll see. Another team that's going to be very familiar to Italy is Switzerland. Uh, when you take a look at the players that they can boast, guys that have Serie A experience like Ricardo Rodriguez, Stefan Lichtsteiner, uh, if he still wants to be part of this conversation, I think he does. He had a very nice qualifying campaign with the Swiss. Um, you know, so, you know, guys like that, all the way to what they can offer going forward. Uh, you know, some interesting pieces here. Harris Seferovic, who's playing in uh, for Benfica. Your boy, Brielle Mbolo, um, uh-huh. from Schalke. Uh, so, and in Granit Xhaka in midfield. So there are some, definitely some good players here, Uh to uh, be wary of with this Swiss team. Your thoughts? I think this is probably the toughest opponent for Italy in this group. Yeah, Swiss have been notoriously um, difficult to play against. Uh, Brie Ombol actually now just joined uh, Munch and Gladbach, uh, so he's helping them in their first place right now. But um, there's still, you know, having you know, Granit Xhaka there and, and some of the other players there. There's some there's some good names to to Switzerland that'll make this uh, fairly difficult for for the Azzurri. Azzurri should win should win um, should win this group like like we mentioned earlier. But uh, Swiss are definitely pose the most trouble for them because they they're, they've been notorious uh, big game players. There's some good good players in their team. They got a solid goalkeeper in, in Sommer. So um, I foresee this is going to be the most difficult game. You could see you can easily see uh, a draw in a in a game against the Azzurri here, uh, just because of the players that they have. But overall, you got to like the Azzurri being slight event, uh, slight favorites in this. Yeah, I'm gonna you know I, I can see it. I can see this going one 0 either way. Hopefully in Italy's direction. Right. Uh, so we'll see like this. I mean, the thing about Seferovic is that I think that he'll be. Easy for Italy to, to deal with from a defensive standpoint. He's a big target. He's not a guy that's going to be dynamic and pull you apart or anything like that. Now, if Mbolo plays a role in that game, then you got to have some concern. Um, you know, so we'll see how the Swiss line up for that game. And then finally, Wales, by that time, maybe Italy have two wins under their belt and have already secured a place in the next round. And they'll mix things up a little bit in terms of their rotation. You know, the Welsh, uh, you're going to obviously think of Gareth Bale right off the bat. Um, you got Joe Allen in midfield. You've got Ben Davies, who plays for Tottenham. Um, I'm trying to remember the uh, the fellow that play. You've got Robson Canoe as one of the forwards. There's another forward that came on for them. Uh, that did relatively well in qualifying, and the name escapes me right now. Was it Robbie um, Matondo? No. Another one. Uh, um, gosh, I, this is going to kill me. Um, I mean, the two main names, obviously, Ramsey and... And, uh, and Aaron Ramsey, and Gareth, too. Yeah, you got yeah, him. Yeah, Gareth Bale. 
Those are going to be the ones you're going to worry about the most, I think, with this team. Yes, the Welsh are going to be a very uh, a difficult team to play. Probably not as difficult as, as the Swiss, uh, but they're going to have their, their um, some things that you're going to have to worry about. Gareth Bale being probably number one. Uh, Aaron Ramsey probably number two, just because uh, Aaron Ramsey with the familiarity with the league already, uh, with the, many of the players on the team, and then uh, Gareth Bale is just a very good player. Uh, and so he can he can turn uh, a goal from nothing, and and he's got a sensational curve on all his shots, uh, two footed. So uh, it'll be an interesting game for sure. Uh, Welsh will be it'll be a tough match. Um, I for, I see a low scoring game in that one as well. Uh, one nothing is very very easily to be uh, found out in that one. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. Ryan Giggs has done a nice job getting Wales back to qualification. We're talking about a team that reached the last four. Um, of the uh, Euro 2016, let's not forget that. Uh, yeah. And there's still there's still a handful of players, and they've been competitive. I mean, they went to Croatia uh, back in June and came away just uh, losing by a goal to uh, by two goals to one. Um, <clears throat> looking a little bit further ahead, they drew one one with Croatia in October. Uh, so you're talking about a team that reached the World Cup finals. Uh, I'm pulling this up now. Uh, just the the eleven that beat Hungary, two uh, nil. Ramsey had both goals in that game, uh, but they had a forward that was pretty useful. And God, this is going to kill me until I can get the name. <laughs> Mister X, Galliano Mis- guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to end up at Monza. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, more. There you go. Oh, there you go. More. Kiefer Moore. I knew it was Kiefer something. I just couldn't, you know, Kiefer Moore. Uh, don't know what his deal is, but he's a guy that's been up there at striker. Hal Robson Canoe uh, could have a role. Um, so there's uh, there's some options there for, for them going forward. Um, he plays his club football at Wigan. Interesting. But he's a big target. Uh, so we'll see. But, I mean, yeah, Bale, Ramsey, Allen, Davies, those are the guys that are the household names, and those are the guys that are typically going to be the ones you're going to worry about. We'll see what happens. So Turkey, Switzerland, Wales, uh, knee-jerk reaction. They win this group, and they'll play a third-place team in round two. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Um a hundred percent, you know, uh, and that'll be that'll be great to see too, because you know you don't want to, you, you never want to be a position where you play a, a a first place or a second place team uh, in the second round. So I I think this is gonna be a good good uh, start to the tournament for the Azzurri, and hopefully it ends like uh, 2000, 2000. <laughs> All right, so that's our reaction to Italy's draw for Euro twenty twenty. Richard is going to take us through previews of two big games next weekend. Yeah, it's actually uh, it's a it's a battle of the top four. Um, first, first on certain on uh, Friday night, uh, it's going to be uh, first place Inter against fourth place Roma, and then on Saturday it's going to be uh, third place Lazio hosting second place Juventus. So you know, starting with the uh, Inter against Roma matchup, uh, this should be an interesting one. Um, this should probably be the high scoring of the two, I would think. Uh, just because Inter's defense has been a little bit leaky as of late, and Roma li- loves to score, Roma can give up goals as well. So um, this will certainly be, from a neutral standpoint, a very inter- actually both games will be very entertaining from a neutral standpoint. Uh, but you know, to start with this uh, Inter and Roma matchup, Frank, what do you see from this game? Uh, Inter is going to be the host in this one. 
Uh, what does Inter have to do to win that game, and what does Roma have to do? What do you think are the strengths and that they need to exploit uh, to win on Friday? Um, Roma are going to have to be patient. They're going to have to play a patient game at the San Siro against Inter. Um, the 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 key for me um, is going to be can they get service to Jekko? You know, Jekko's going to start this game. Um, you know, and and can, can Jekyll find the key areas areas of the penalty area against that back three for Inter? Um, those are going to be some interesting points. Um, I say they're going to struggle. Um, I say that defense, while they've been surprisingly good in Serie A this season, and we've ripped on Roma for being a poor defense through the years. Um, they've been okay. They've only conceded 11 goals here in the first 14 games. Um, I can they? I, I think Inter are going to be able to pull them apart with Kondreva going forward on the right-hand side. He's in really good form. He's got himself a couple of goals, but he's banging in crosses and he's creating a lot of chances. It's going to be interesting what they do with the left-hand side. If it's Asamoah, if it's Biragi, I think it's going to be Biragi. Um, so you got two guys here that are going to put a lot of pressure on that Roma penalty area, and you got strikers in Lukaku and Lotaro who are going to really provide some problems here uh, for that Roma defense. Um, you know, so Roma are going to get tested here, uh, and I think Inter are going to come away with a win. This is going to be an entertaining game, as you said. There's going to be goals in this one. Um, I'm going to go 3-1 to Inter. I do think Roma are going to get one coming back the other way. Uh, but, and I don't think it's going to be from Jacko. I think it's going to c- come from somewhere in the midfield. Um, one of those guys are going to be able to step in between the lines as, as, as good a job as guys like Brozovic do protecting that back three. Uh, I think that that's where the goal is going to come from for Roma, for Inter. I think you're going to see the usual cast of characters getting on the score sheet, Lataro, Lukaku. And I think there's going to be a midfielder's goal coming in there somewhere. So, you know, I really I like the way Inter are playing. They look like they've got it back together, aside from a poor second half here against Spall. Um, and I think while this is a Roma team that have done quite well and have found ways to get results, uh, I think that this Inter team is just better. Uh, and at the San Siro, I can't see anything other than Inter winning it. Yeah, the jury's still really out for Roma. They've you know they've had some some competition in the first half of the season thus far, but. Um, they've really yet to be truly tested, and the one thing we do know about about both these teams is that uh, Antonio Conte's teams do play play up to the big game, big games. That you know, against the smaller clubs, against small and other things, they struggle, uh, they lose themselves. But in the big games, they always seem to show up uh, and they always entertain. Um, so I like your scoreline of three to one. I, I kind of see that as well. Um, you know, I agree. Someone in the midfield, probably like a Pellegrini, probably will score. Uh, for Roma, but you know the the, the people that you mentioned in terms of, of scoring for Inter are likely. I mean, Arturo Martinez is on form; he'll probably score. Uh, Lukaku as well. You know the bromance between those two—they've really hit it really well together, not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well. Um, so they always seem to find each other. And then the midfield—you got you got to think that someone from that midfield or or one of the wing backs are getting get involved there off a set piece and score a goal as well. So a three-one, I like I like that shout. Um, I do like this Roma club. I do. Um, they they're gonna they're making a really good push to, to be in that top four and keep that to keep those positions. But I think it'll be very difficult on the road. Uh, if they were at home, I would maybe change my change my decision. But I think Inter are gonna be are gonna be feeding off the home crowd. 
Uh, and if they're going to go early, it could be it could be lights out right away. So uh, look for Conte's team to take the victory in that one, in my opinion. So um, moving on to Saturday, uh, Lazio is actually hosting Juventus. Uh, this is going to be a difficult game. We've uh, this has always been a close game between these two. It's usually a, a one nothing, two one uh, type scoreline. Sometimes a one one draw. Uh, it, this is all the makings of it. Lazio are playing very well at the moment. They're sitting at the moment six points behind Juventus, but uh, you, uh, Lazio, excuse me, are are very fine form. They've got six wins in a row or something crazy like that. They've they've shot up the table, um, cemented them play, their place in the top four, and uh, Juve are struggling a little bit at the moment. I'm curious what the lineup will be for Juventus. They should have all their top dogs out there. Um, so it's going to be a tight encounter, Frank. Uh, I'm curious how you think this game will, will pan out. Um, Juve is going to play their best lineup because when they go to Leverkusen, they don't have to play their best lineup. They've got Champions League wrapped up. So Saudi's going to put his best 11 possible out there. You'll see Ronaldo. You'll see Dybala. Um. I, I think you could start with Ronaldo Dybala and Higuain. We'll see if yeah. Sa- we'll see if Saudi does that. Um, and then you'll see Kadira. You'll see Pjanic. Um, I can't remember who will fill out that midfield for them. Uh, but um, Chesney will go back in goal, obviously. And I think that this will be a very stiff test for Lazio. I mean, when you take a look at what Lazio have done and the run that they've gone on, um. You know, they beat a Milan that get victimized by their own mistakes. Then they go and they lose at home to Celtic. They beat Lecce. They beat Sassuolo. They beat Cluj. They beat Udinese. This is not necessarily, well, they're on a nice run. This is not necessarily a murderer's row that they're beating right now. Um, you know, and then you get it considered, Torino were down to 10 men. They beat them 4 0. They beat a Fiorentina that was down to 10 men, a Fiorentina team that were suddenly finding the struggles. Um, so they were down three 0 to Atalanta before coming back. And if they get a hole against in a hole against Juventus, it's going to be hard for them to come back. So Juventus are going to play their best lineup. They're going to put all their eggs into this one and they're going to try to make sure they have distance from Lazio after this game. And I expect uh, a much better performance. I expect a much better understanding between the lines throughout the 90 minutes than what I saw with Juventus against Sassuolo. Um, as for Lazio, you know, if there's a team that knows how to beat Juventus, it's Lazio. Okay, whether it's at the J or whether it's at the Olimpico, they've, they've done it. But while I, you know, I love how they've played. I love what uh, Immobile has done. I love what... Um, you know, Luis Alberto has come back into form. Sergey's been great. I think that this is just still a step too far for them, and I think Juve are going to find a way to win this thrilling game. Um, if you have time Saturday afternoon, make sure you sit down and watch this. Um, but I'm going to go with Juve getting a 2-1 win away. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to uh, argue against uh talking anything about Juventus you know winning but um they 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 tend to do show up in these big games um though uh, this is the always the game that's you know I'm always going to usually not always most of the time I'm going to pick Juventus over anybody but it seems that this fixture is always the one that perplexes me the most because for the for the reason you brought up the Lazio have been a team that uh tends to rise to occasion and gives Juve defeats every season it seems like so 
Um, I'm kind of stick on that track, and I think you know, I know, I know, Juve is going to bring up their 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 A lineup in this one, but I like the way the form that Lazio are in at the moment, and yes, streaks come to an end, but I I like that the run that they're on, they haven't lost in in, in a while in Serie A, um, and I I think they're going to go toe to toe with Juventus. Uh, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I don't know if Immobile is going to be able to score again uh, in this one to make it whatever you know, 15 games in a row. It seems like. Uh, but I do think, you know, you mentioned, you know, Luis Alberto playing better. SMS is playing better. Um, their whole team really is just playing well at the moment. They're a well-oiled machine. The, the trick for them is going to be can they handle the onslaught offensively that's coming from Juventus. And, uh, you know, the defense is playing well right now, but Strakosha, you know, worries me in comparison to Wojciech Chesney, who's, you know, playing world-class this season. It's going to be tight. Um I'm going to say 2-1 Lazio uh, win at home, uh, a late goal to win it. I think it's going, to be, it's going to be a very tight game that can go either way. But I think Lazio you know, steps up, and I think Inzaghi uh, kind of wanted to, you know, shoves one back at Juventus, especially because you know, many people touted him as going to Juventus this, uh, this offseason, and he stayed with Lazio. So I think uh, Lazio are going to find a way to eke this one out over Juventus just so. It will be Simone Inzaghi's first win over Maurizio Sarri in any competition. Oh, wow. Wow. Head-to-head, uh, they've met four times. Sarri's won three, and they've drawn once. Huh. Um, other stats from this. Juventus have actually won three straight. Um, back in January, they won 2-1 at Lazio in this fixture. Uh, they won 1-0 at Lazio in this fixture in March of 2018. Juventus won 2-0 at home against Lazio in August of 2018. So... Those things are, those things are going for them. Um, let's see here. They'll meet in the Supercopa actually on December twenty second as well. Oh, but uh, Saudi has beat has not lost to Simone Inzaghi yet. Uh, another interesting stat: uh, Lazio has not kept a clean sheet against Juventus in twenty straight matches. Uh, so you know there's a goal coming from Juve in this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Juve's been first to score in eight out of the last ten. Uh, you know, so all of these are suggestive that Juventus should be in good shape. Uh, you know, just for fun, let's go back to the Inter-Roma game and see the head-to-head stuff. Inter unbeaten in four uh, against Roma, but Roma unbeaten in three against Inter. So they've tied the last three games. <laughs> And that's exactly what has happened. 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, and 1-1. One, one. Uh, the last time that there was a winner was August of 2017 when Inter won at Roma 3-1. Uh, so you got that working out. Uh, Conte and Fa- Paulo Fonseca have never met. Uh, and over the last 18 games, Roma have actually won eight times. Inter have won four times with six draws. Um, I take that with a grain of salt because there were some pretty pitiful Inter teams in that stretch. And there's no Conte. Yep, and there's no Antonio Conte. So, Inter without clean sheet in seven straight in this in this matchup. Roma eleven straight. Both teams scoring in seven out of seven games. We both believe both teams are going to score in this one. Uh, and Roma five out of six. First to score in five out of six. Uh, so, we'll see. Uh, some just some interesting things to think about when you're looking at those two games. But right now, it's all of a battle of the teams that are in the top four for this weekend, unless Cagliari radically changes this tomorrow when they, if they beat uh, Sampdoria, changes actually the shape of the top four. Then we're talking about four teams in the top five. Uh, but 
nonetheless, uh, an entertaining weekend ahead in Serie A with uh, those two games at the tip of them, and we'll have a lot to talk about for sure. So uh, go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts, your predictions, Inter versus Roma, Lazio versus Juventus. It's going to be an exciting weekend, and with that, We'll put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit-Down. Richard, anything to shamelessly plug? Yeah, yeah. We uh, A couple days ago, a few days ago, we let out a little teaser of the Tiago Mota uh, manager analysis video, and that video is now released, so go check that out. Uh, We talk about the 272 formation of Tiago Mota. Is it a 272? Is it not? Uh, Tune in at YouTube to watch the full video. it's uh, it's for those who don't know too much about him. Uh, definitely give it a peep. Um, it's a it's a fascinating case of where he uh, got his uh, uh, managerial, I guess, uh, aspirations because he he's been under some fantastic managers in his career. So uh, yeah, give that a follow, and then in the follow up to that video is going to be I think the next video is going to be Rolando Maran of Cagliari. Uh, he's having a fantastic season with them. So it's to be curious to you know step into that and see what they're doing to uh, for, especially for him that there's a big change you know from what he was doing at Kievo as opposed to now with Cagliari. So uh, those are probably the next two videos, and I'm curious you know what people want to hear next is what what other managers or what other players they want to hear. You know we talk a lot about um, uh, the Zerbi over Sassuolo. Maybe that's one we we delve into. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's over at YouTube, and then. Um, you can follow me pretty much anywhere at Twitter and Instagram at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Well, Morana Moran, Moran actually has good players to go to Cagliari. I think that that's what <laughs> But watch the video anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, excellent stuff. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, pulling that video up myself and uh, having a look at what you uh, did there. Um, I'm at FTC underscore 21, where uh, I make friends and enemies of everybody on Twitter. Twitter can be a horrible place. Um, But uh, nonetheless, uh, if you want to get into a discussion or got any questions, want to chat a little culture with me, I'm always happy to have a good back and forth with with our followers and listeners. So uh, that's where you can find me. Um, I'm not too big to uh, not reply to you. So go ahead and uh, say what you want. at City House Sit Down, we have our own channel on iTunes, on SoundCloud. We can also be found on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere you can find a podcast or where podcasts can be found, you can find City House Sit Down. At City House Sit Down on Twitter, on Instagram, check us out there. Check us out on Facebook. We have our own page there. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, City House Sit Down channel on YouTube, where uh, Richard mentioned the uh, video breakdown of Tiago Mota at Genoa. Uh, do check that out. Um, so uh, plenty of you for plenty for you to check out until you hear us next on this podcast. Um, we're looking forward to next weekend already. Like I said, two big games to get things going. Um, I stand corrected. It's actually Apple Podcast. It's no longer iTunes. When did that happen? Uh, about over the summer, I guess. Over the summer, okay. So it's all right. <laughs> I don't keep up with that shit. Yeah, you just you know, I've got a, a an app. It says podcasts. I click it. I don't care who it is. I'm I'm old. All right, I'm not trendy like you. Well, we're old anyway. So, 
All right. So anyway, we gave you a whole bunch of places where you can find Zeria Z down where you can pass us on to your friends, uh, to your paisans. So uh, and uh, World Football Index, uh, our hosts who have been awesome to us, go to worldfootballindex.com. Uh, any league you want to find coverage of, they've got it. So go check them out. Um, and uh, you can also find us at Serie A Sit Down. So uh, check out our friends there at worldfootballindex.com. Until next week, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you for listening. And as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.